Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Sam from Norwich, and you're listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, what are you going to have for tea tonight? Okay, here comes the show. And remember, question everything. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast for myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor, Dame Baptiste, my producer friend, Howard Cohen, a.k.a. Dehiza. Hello. And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we are talking everything from... We're talking everything from Sam, from Norwich's question, what are you going to have for tea tonight? Um, basic, Sam, but nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Dane, have you got any plans or is it just kind of ad hoc? Uh, I'm just going to have leftovers. Right, of... of of um, the roast that my mum made yesterday. That's a put- what, so what a great vision. Passed great by and vision. picked it up. Yeah, just have some leftover roast. I've got a vegetarian chili, uh, in case anyone's interested. So simple, but um, but you know, it'll be nice. It'll be nice. Um, will it? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, is, it, is it like corn or? Uh, uh, it's like one of those fancy meat mountain bullshit brands. Uh, you know, it's like it's, I've got no problem with any of those brands. Really, I'd chuck them in the pan. There's probably some distinction, but is is it like so? It's like a form of tofu or soy based alternative. Yeah, it's like a, a plant based yeah. thing. Okay, be fine, be fine. I think so. I think I think also plant based is such an ambivalent term. There's probably going to be some meat in there. Yeah, so, yeah. Don't you worry about it. Um, yeah. Well, Sam, there you go. I hope that's giving you an insight into our personal lives. And suffice to say, on this podcast, we ask and answer all the questions, don't we, Dave? Absolutely. No question is too big, too small, too plant-based or too full of meat. And if you do enjoy the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or subscribe to us on Spotify and you'll never miss an episode. Or you can subscribe to us on ACAST, the world's biggest podcast network, where we can hear all of the very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests. With that being said, on today's show, is a multi-award winning journalist and author. He is the global editor of the Bureau of Investigative Journalism and is a weekly columnist for The New European. He was previously a special correspondent at BuzzFeed UK and special projects editor at The Guardian, where he played a key role in the Pulitzer Prize winning coverage of the NSA leaks by Edward Snowden. He's also the author of multiple books, including Post-Truth and Bluffocracy. And his latest book is entitled The System, Who Owns the Internet and How It Owns Us. Please welcome to the show with his new haircut, which unfortunately you guys can't see, Mr. James Ball. Hello, lovely to be here. Welcome. So I also feel here. like I owe you a tenner for that intro, so thank you very much. <laughs> what's for dinner, James? Sir, Most more important thing, what's for dinner tonight? I don't know. I'm going out for a fancy dinner. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm going to some journalism awards. So, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm being a fancy boy today. All right, well, what was for dinner last night then? Let's get what, some, what some insight for, into your What was your for dinner last dinner? night? I got, uh, I got a spaghetti bolognese, actually, but home Classic, cooked. classic. None of that ready meal nonsense. No, very good, very good. Very, very kind of well, classic. Any any special things you add to your uh, bolognese sauce to make it stand out? Some people so, like you know add different weird things. I mean, I mean, celery, it will celery and 
it will absolutely annoy any Italian listening to it, but I put chili and garlic in because ah. I just find it bland without. Can you not put? Oh, you can put. Surely you can put garlic in um, bolognese sauce. Apparently, even garlic is controversial, but chili is heresy. What do they say? Is it just tomato and that's it? So uh, tomato, basil, onion. I think are the main. Because like Italy, it's got all the sun and all of that, so everything yeah. tastes amazing there. Whereas you know here we're doing it. You know, UK's on a level with Siberia. Yeah. Our, our stuff's just not as good. We've got to add a bit of flavour. That's. I think that's fair. I think it's fair. I mean, there's a reason why we uh, decided to have the Spice Wars. And, yes, came, yeah, you know, yeah. and the, the British is it the East, East India Trading Company was founded for this very reason, James. So <laughs> yep, took over took over about yeah. a third of the world, caused endless cruelty. But on the upside, we did get pepper and chili. So, yeah, mm. who's yeah. to say whether it was good or bad? Yeah. yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, you look at countries that don't have a lot of pepper and chili in their cuisine, like, you know, former parts of the Eastern Bloc, then, uh, yeah, you see how things are going there. <laughs> it's, uh, it's probably time for a question, isn't it, Dane, as the format of this show dictates? I think so, Howard. James is our very esteemed guest and uh, culinary expert for this particular episode. <laughs> we invite you to ask the first question, which can be any question you would like. Uh, it doesn't have to be a bolognese-based recipe, and Howard and I would like to discuss it with you for 15 minutes of some change. And then Howard here, the hizzer, would like to pose you another question, which we'd like to discuss for the same amount of time. And in a sick twist of fate, unforeseen by this audience, I would like to pose a question to you as well, which I'd like to discuss for about a quarter of an hour, and then we'd like to hear about where we can find out more about your good works. How does that sound? That sounds grand. Let's go for it. Absolutely. The floor is yours, sir, to ask the first question. So, you see, I now feel bad that it's not a Bolognese-related question. No, it's for the best. We'd struggle to get 15 minutes out. Sir, I I thought what I would ask is... Is Mark Zuckerberg planning world domination? <laughs> it's good because I spoke about Zuckerberg the other week, but we're totally up for talking about him again because fuck me, he is a dang- What's inspired this in your in your metaverse? It's uh, it's, it's meta. It's this. It's sort of. The fact that now I can't ever open Twitter without someone talking about the metaverse and meta and NFTs and Web3 and all of this stuff. Apparently, Microsoft are super into it as well now. And so this kind of shift to meta a few weeks ago that everyone was going, oh, it's a PR thing because of the whistleblower and all of that. I'm starting to think it's not. I'm starting to think he's like looking at, oh, you know, we've got to have this new immersive internet and I must rule it. It's yeah. not just it's not just an immersive internet, right? It's like, hey, you know, you were going to go somewhere. Why don't you just not go there? Why don't you just avatar yourself there and just be an avatar of yourself instead of going there? Which is potentially the end of civilization as we know it. I think. Yeah, I kind of can't decide though whether it's. Do you remember when like the future was Second Life and like yeah. that yeah. sort of weird thing and writers set up a, a, like an actual bureau in there and had a reporter that just lived in Second Life and reported on it, which I think lasted all of six months. How's that, <laughs> like, how's, how's that the journalist doing? Uh, I, think, I think he's still a journalist. I don't think he's still stuck in Second Life. I hope yeah. for his sake he isn't. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see, I would like to find out what his physical or his mental well-being is like <laughs> after doing six months in uh, Second Life. Yeah, I mean, that place got quite weird. Um, But yeah, like, is this just sort of got to be some weird niche thing that furries and sort of incels hang out on? Or is it going to be like, is it actually going to be a thing? Or is this like about attempt 17 to make virtual reality happen? 
Because, like, you know, Mean Girl style, I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think I think it's, I would say, it sounds like it's going to be all of the above. I think a lot of the time when we worry about some of the uh, more um, regressive groups or more questionable groups on uh, social media, on, on the internet, I think they were there first, unfortunately. And if you're going to go and take a walk on uh, in the Wild West, that is the... Uh, Western world as it appears in digital and social media, then you have to understand that a lot of these very strange people with even stranger platitudes as they appear have been on the internet for a long time because the internet was historically their haven to be able to express themselves and interact with people that are very similar. So, um, and that's part of it. I think I'm always cynical about having a singularity when we worry about this kind of like uh, megalomania because while I know that Mark Zuckerberg can be you know has done really questionable things and hasn't always appeared to be particularly accountable for these things um I don't think he's the one that actually writes the new coding and is that involved in developing the code that allows for people to have an interface as um immersive as meta or web3 so there's a whole Mark Zuckerberg brand like he he's like he is like the uh I guess the octopusy but <laughs> There is like other people working in the nuclear missile silo as well. Kind of yeah, thing. although you know, it's, it, they're they are kind of henchmen because the yeah. thing that like really strikes me is like all the other dot com like founders have moved on. I mean, you know, for Apple, Steve Jobs has not only moved on from the company, he's moved off this mortal coil. Um, only to move surface in Meta, maybe. <laughs> who knows? Um, you know, Google, the guys who founded that, none of them are around anymore. I bet yeah. most people couldn't even name Google CEO. Jeff Bezos is like moving up to chairman. And again, I bet no one could name Amazon CEO. And yet Zuck is still sitting there, still the CEO. And he's also structured the shares in like a weird way that means even though he only owns like a tiny percentage of Facebook, well, probably like 12% or something, he's still got total control over the voting shares, Rupert Murdoch style. And yeah. so this guy has like, it's not outside the realms that he can take over an era of the internet. Like, you know, if Web 1 yeah, was yeah. browsing and shopping, he owns Web 2. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. he owns a lot of it. Well, he, but you make a good point because... Well, a that the fact that he is in charge of what sounds like the second Internet Reich, and <laughs> and also um, the fact that like you know Rupert Murdoch is a good reference point because of the uh, the oligopoly he has over uh, tabloid media, and so it stands to reason that Mark Zuckerberg might be endeavouring to do the same thing, and it wouldn't surprise me. I mean. I'm sure that he uh, derives a lot of self-esteem and uh, a lot of pride in the fact that he has been largely responsible for being one of the biggest contributors to the creation of the social media sphere in the first place. And that's probably some power that he wants to hold on to. Or, you know, he's identifying based on the fact that the creation and development of Facebook put him in the financial stratosphere and, you know, in terms of world influence, really, at the, at, I'd say, you know, arguably top five or top three outside of, you know, most politicians. and uh, it's, weird. it's weird how you could argue that he's more powerful than politicians because he, he, he covers the globe, right? All, Whereas they, all, all, they... multinational, all, multi, all heads of multinational companies are more powerful than any um, politicians. That's why it makes no sense for Donald Trump as a billionaire to have ever become a politician. Because everyone knows if you want to influence law and legisl or influence legislation, then you just pay his politicians or you lobby them. So the fact that that speaks to anyway, that's another. Yes, because Donald, Donald Trump's got zero subtlety, isn't it? Well, but, yeah, exactly. But, but Mark, yeah. Mark Zuckerberg is probably 
able, maybe has developed the same kind of disposition, but is a lot more subtle than Donald Trump. But I think, you know, it just stands to reason. He, I imagine that he is aware of the potential earning and influential potential that comes with being in control of something like Meta as more and more people readily connect to social media and their consciousness migrates over there. So, you yeah, know, I mean, I mean, across Facebook, like across Facebook, Instagram and WhatsApp, there's something like two and a half to three billion people yeah. that whose communications Zuckerberg touches. Yeah. China, you know, the Chinese Communist Party have control over comms to 1.4 billion people. Yeah. So he's got double China, like the world's most populous country. It is completely, completely wild the scale of it you know it's, Murdoch it's the power it's the power, it's the power of a god this is like you know remember social media allows you to be omnis, omniscient and know what everyone's thinking because that's the first question that facebook facebook asks you then you can be omnipresent because the social media dictates that you can appear in different countries at any point in time and you know an omnipotent because nowadays with most people if you take away their ability to access social media there's a number of small to medium enterprises and a number of people that depend on social media for communication some people depend on it for business uh, for commerce and some people literally now have a psychological dependency on social media because there's a lot of people out there who are called influencers without their likes they don't what do they do in real life and so he's he's basically reached a level of demigodhood on mm. our planet. And so I would the, say, if, is, 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 he, is he trying to take over? I think he's probably already taken over to an extent and he just really wants to consolidate that power, absolute power. But I would argue that in a, in a weird kind of, um, kind of twist to the plot, that he, he is or isn't taking, you know, he, he's either taken over or he's, he's going to take over. But I don't even know if he's aware. Do you think he's even aware that, that the kind of power that he wields could have such kind of neg. I don't think when you hear him talk, like if you watch the presentation he did the other week, James, the meta thing. Oh God, yes, I watched with, that. With Nick Clegg rocking up, Nick, like, Nick Clegg in full kind of reek or worm tongue kind of pose. Oh, it was just <laughs> gross. Yeah, it was absolutely <laughs> gross. And he, and he just kind of made. It's not his think- fault. He's still covered in conservative cum from when they all bukkake in the last time he tried to form a coalition. So it's not his fault. Yeah, no fair. Good, good point. Um, but- <laughs> I mean, Nick Nick Clegg is probably more powerful now than when he was deputy prime <laughs> yeah, minister. Definitely. <laughs> but the, the the thing I keep thinking about it is just that I wonder whether you know that kind of people are so blinded. It's like when you kind of look at certain people who kind of like commit certain crimes, not all crimes, obviously, but certain crimes, they seem to be kind of blissfully unaware. They kind of feel like they were just doing the right thing, you know, because oh, this was my agenda meant that I was trying to achieve this thing. Right? Is and this an Owen Patterson reference? Well, <laughs> yeah, like, I'm trying to think of other examples, but there's, 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 there are many examples in history, I think, where people were like, oh, I'm doing something for the greater good. You, you know, you trust me, this is going to be Fine. Well, I think most people do just make that justification to themselves when they're acting. Very few people will openly be like, I was being evil. Very few. But there are some. <laughs> but most people are able yeah. to find justification themselves. So I don't I'm not sure whether it's, he's aware, Howard. It's just it's not so much awareness. It's like if you have an opportunity, why would you not? If you've been able to, through the your creation, been able to connect to over two billion people, mm. people for the large, uh, you know, on mass, really celebrate the existence of this, your creation. Like any God, if you make something and people worship you for it, you're not going to walk away from that, are you? No matter how more corrupt your um, subjects become, what you might do is just stop listening to them when they ask you for stuff. 
And it, it is that it is that thing, like as you're saying, like I I'm quite happy to criticize Facebook. I could live without Facebook itself easily. I'd go nuts if you took WhatsApp off me. Like mm. you know, we we all tend to like these things. I'm yeah, not, I'm, oh, yeah, I'm well, not on Insta. You know, I, I like to live that authentic life. Hashtag blessed. Um, <laughs> but but like you know, Zuckerberg isn't above as well using his sort of network and using his comms for his own ends in in a very Rupert Murdoch-y way. And like, this isn't sort of, oh, he's the kingmaker and he picks every president. But things like in the US, they made a lot of deliberate decisions not to tackle far-right groups, far-right memes, right-wing misinformation, so that Congress would stay roughly on side and so that they wouldn't end up with new regulations against them. So he affected like the media economy of a whole nation, the world's kind of richest and most powerful nation, to suit his own commercial and political ends. I don't think he was ever a supporter of Trump or anything like that, but they definitely changed their decisions to suit themselves, which is just what we've always thought Murdoch did with his newspapers and with his broadcasters. Hmm. Um, You know, and also they kind of try and do this thing of, oh, well, you know, we don't control the information thing. The one that's always driven me mad and I could never quite work out why they're so obsessed with it is Facebook has decided the one thing no one in the world must ever see is a woman's nipple. Like, yeah. even sort of totally innocently, if you, you know, if a woman posts a picture breastfeeding her kid and you can see even a tiny bit of areola or whatever it's called, banned. Mm. Because Facebook don't want people to be reminded of the fact that nourishment does not come from the internet. <laughs> I like the theory, let's go with you, that. They want you to remember that the only, if you want to suck at a tea to be enriched, that comes from Facebook. That's why Facebook says, what are you thinking? What are you doing right now? Because normally that's what your mum would do or a, cl- a woman has, <laughs> or, or a woman that's close in your life. And I'm sure a bunch of women find it very ironic that for many years they would ask men, what are you thinking? What's going through your head right now? And men would be like, just leave me alone. I'm a man. And now a faceless corporation which has produced a computer app is like, what are you thinking? And they're like, I'll tell you what I think about Brexit. So... You know, that's why they banned the nipple, maybe. I think <laughs> I think there's a bit of me, James, that is completely oh like I you know, if 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 I said yes or no, if there was a referendum on social media, I'm voting no, I think. Uh, if it if it had to be that binary. Uh, I obviously enjoy it in a number of ways. Following your uh, Twitter feed, James, is a very good thing. You know, I learn things about the world. It's interesting. My Twitter uh, feed is about two-thirds incoherent ranting and about one-third useful information. That's yeah, there's some bits that I've picked about up. About what I try and preserve. So the, yeah. Yeah, um, but that's like most people in society. That's, yeah. yeah, I just think looking at it now, where we've got to, and how, like, there's this whole thing of, like, the world's on fire. It's melting. We're going to die okay, I'm just stuck in this virtual world that seems to distract me from everything in my life and I don't seem to be very happy with. Well, if you're going to weigh those things up on a personal level, as in, like, if the house you lived in was on fire and you were addicted to social media, you would say, well, you're going to have to stop the social media because your house is on fire. And I think... I mean, you you say this. I actually, genuinely, 10 years ago, um, (laughs) I was on a train carriage and it set on fire and I tweeted about it before I evacuated <laughs> the carriage. James, like, James, to be James. fair, I got absolutely and rightly rinsed on Twitter for it. There are yeah. still people who remember it. But 
it took my brain a good 30 seconds to go, no, this is an actual fire. The carriage is filling with actual smoke. <laughs> Why the F are you on your phone, you idiot? Like, yeah. it, it, And so I, I have really, really worried about my judgment ever since that, because that was <laughs> 10 years ago. Social media's had a whole decade to get in my brain since then. Yeah. It's, it's, it's how it's how yeah it's how you react to stuff and uh, and how going to your point when you said that you know if I had to choose between real life and social media um, because I'm unhappy with my life well you know it's not how different is that from religion the idea of religion is that you're supposed to endure life's hardships because once you're done if you're nice you get to go to heaven now if someone comes along and says if you don't want to wait that long you can go to an ideal paradise and escape while you're still alive I can provide that for you. All I need to do is find out what you're thinking in your name and address and your data. It's an easy trade for a lot of people. It is. So, you know. I mean, there's sort of a kind of crappy utopia dystopia thought in that we might be about to like get the actual Star Trek holodeck like experience. You know, that's sort of what I think of when I think of the good version of the metaverse. Mm. Except if Facebook runs it, just going to be full of targeted ads and product placements. You know, you'll be in your, like, you know, whatever your dream sort of world is, you know, some sex palace or you're in your sort of beautiful fields or you're flying in space. I want want to thank you for saying sex palace first and being a fucking adult, James. (laughs) (laughs) Some people people have been like, your your artisan bakery, it's sex palace. I, I just thought let's let's yeah. live in the real world. Let's yeah. live in the real world. It's a bit depressing that I thought instantly about a house full of kittens, which is saying something about my life. <laughs> that's the other side. As long as you're not thing. having sex with them, Howard, to be honest. But you <laughs> well, know, if you, well, if you want to have sex with them, Howard, there's a place for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you'll be there and then suddenly, you know, yeah. your, your sexual partner or your kitten just suddenly turns to you and goes, buy Mentos or whatever you know it's, it's just gonna be really weird uh James that's a hell of a question Dane it's a, it, you, you brought a great question to us James and I think we look social media is there for us we can't get rid of it so why don't you contact us on social media list <laughs> and tell Mark Zuckerberg if you think if he's if he's fucking with you or not you know is he fucking with you and if he Mark, is Mark Zuckerberg thumbs up emoji or thumbs down emoji yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah let us know Keep it in mind, he can see that shit. <laughs> he can see it all. He can see it all. I, I, for one, am a big fan of his work. <laughs> Hi, Mark. Please don't hurt me. I'm a big fan of the algorithm based on Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> At least I, the sentient algorithm formerly known as Mark Zuckerberg is my friend. <laughs> now, um, uh, my question this week, I, I had something where I was basically going to talk about whether or not I... Uh, and we we think the uh, the Terminator films are going to play out in real world, but I felt like that was becoming too obscure. Uh, <laughs> so I've decided to move. And also, one of those questions where you're like, if James doesn't know the Terminator films very well, this is going to be very confusing. So, I, I'm I'm into this. I yeah. I could go for that. Uh, well, tell you what. Well, let let's let's save that because I want to talk about something that I think maybe more <laughs> more important <laughs> than robots wiping out humanity. Cool. Well, you set I, just the bar like here. Kind of, I feel like we've kind of done that. A little bit with Zuckerberg and Facebook. So <laughs> I feel like we kind of covered a good bit of territory, but I want to talk about something that I actually feel really passionate about, which is, you know, um, you, you know, you, I would suggest James, you could tell me if you think I'm talking bollocks that you're, you're quite a successful uh, journalist and writer. Mother's day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I mean, I, I, I do my best. Yeah, well, you've done all right now, haven't you? You, look, you read your stuff, you look at, you know, you've done, you've, if, if the object of the, of, of the job that you do is to write and be paid for it, I think you've done that, right? That, that, that is correct. But uh, you're... Pretty well too. Uh, there's some real cool plants you've got there. That's not any type of yeah, plant yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Some, this guy's got all sorts of... That would have taken some good journalistic he's research. Got, he's got... Yeah, he's damn got, right. Yeah. Damn right. <laughs> so, you play it down, so don't you play it down. We'll give, we'll give you those flowers to go yeah. with it. <laughs> but the reason I think it's interesting to talk to you about something related to your job is because you you know if, it's, if people want to go and follow you on on twitter they'll see that you 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 say that you you know you're the global editor of the bureau uh and then you work for the new european uh and as we talked about you had some uh you know different credits i know there was some from the the guardian but you know there was buzzfeed um, and I wanted to basically say to you that the places that you've worked for would not be considered the uh, mainstream of press. That's a fair judgment, right? Yeah. Uh, and basically, how do publications not in the mainstream get taken seriously? And that's not me suggesting that I don't. I don't take <laughs> them seriously, James. I just want to flag that up before you answer. I. I mean, honestly, it's. This is sort of a bit of a traditional media answer, but it is what I believe. It's by having the same standards and the same norms as big outlets, Hmm. uh, but trying to tell better stories from a better point of view. Um, So like the Bureau, we are a little, we're a not-for-profit. There's about 40 people there. Um, We get most of our money from like big grant-making donors. So it does mean that basically billionaires still pay my wages, but... You know, they're just lower now. Um, but <laughs> what we do is we Classic have... billionaire stuff. <laughs> to- total independence. Can we pay to- them less? <laughs> total independence to uh, sort of chase whatever stories we want. No one tells us what to write. We tend to work on stuff for a couple of months at a time and do a big story rather than daily. But when we put it out, we put it out in the mainstream and we'll work with pretty much anyone to get to their audience. Because like the people who are sceptical about the media tend to forget most of the public aren't. People kind of know not to believe everything they read, but more people buy the Daily Mail than any other newspaper, more people watch the BBC than anything else. If you just constantly go, if you watch and read these, you're an idiot, you're going to miss most people. Mm. And so we work with the, the big places. We tell the stories we want to tell, but we want to, we want their audience, so we go there. If you're trying to be alternative media, I think the biggest thing you can do is write what's actually true and what you can actually prove 
rather than joining the dots and saying what you suspect or what you want to be true. And I think where places do that, and you see Open Democracy does a ton of good work on that, all sorts of other places, whereas some of the places like the Canary or Squawk Box kind of go, here is a thing, and here is a thing, and here is a thing. And if they were all joined together, look how bad that would be. And <laughs> like... <laughs> That that kind of, it can look alarming and it can look like a much bigger scandal than the media's reporting, but you you haven't proved it, you're guessing. And that's why I think some places can cut through and can find an audience and can really do some important journalism that's missing and some places can't. But when people are so frustrated with mainstream media, um, whether left-wing or right-wing people, obviously there's a load of people in the middle who don't give a fuck, but there's a load of people really frustrated with, with, with you know, let's say take the BBC, which I think gets a particularly harsh amount of abuse given that I think it actually has a, a complicated, uh, you know, a duty to the public that's in, written in its fucking manifesto. So take take ITV or Sky or any you know, Channel 4, you know, they've all got an agenda, but the, 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 it's, it's, I don't know, I, I look at it as a weird era as to why people would, you know, kind of follow these news sources and not others. And, 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 and what, what, will, yeah, what will it take for people to be like, Right, fuck these, <laughs> fuck these people. I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna go to all these different places for my news. It's people's definition of the news as well, because I feel like news um, for some people is treated like the weather, and people think that the news is a naturally occurring organic phenomenon that is free from influence. Uh, when really, uh, and then people treat power like it's a man-made commodity that you have to exchange in a com- in a commercial market when it's the other way around. So as in people, whoever owns press outlets or whoever it benefits will be able to influence what kind of news gets out there in many cases. Um, and so I think for a lot of people, when it comes to news, it's not just about the fact that they're just pursuing facts. I think it's what the news means to other people because... Do you know the single biggest news like outlet in the UK? Like the, the most sort of consumed news like the, 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 the like the red red watched or listened to what do you think the biggest news show is in the uk uh the biggest news show in the uk i think would be like good morning britain or something like that it is not bbc breakfast gets twice as many as good morning britain good morning oh. britain are just gobbier uh, uh yeah it doesn't actually get them the ratings howard oh, any guesses oh, you know what for i i guys a good question I don't know, man. I'm thinking. I was thinking about LBC for a minute, but that's complete bollocks. No, LBC, LBC is tiny. But you're yeah. right that it's radio. It is the Radio Two breakfast show news bulletins. It's no, not the, no. the Today program's huge. It's got it gets more than any TV program. But Radio Two's little news bulletins. So those little sixty second sort of clips are the news that more people than anyone else ever gets. Just in between, in amongst the shows, and so. Like, it's actually little bits like that that are incredibly important. And if you want to hit, you know, people, I think it was Dane was saying that, you know, those people for whom news is like a weather bulletin or like something they don't really think about very much, it's actually those those clipped ones that really matter because mm. that decides what's got to cut through to like normal human beings who don't do what I do and read four different newspaper websites a day and listen to the Today programme when they wake Mm. up and all of that nonsense. By that token then, is that something that news outlets are trying to like target that same demographic or 
moves away from the, the radiator bulletins or, or, is, or does that or, or is it accepted that these radiator bulletins almost work the same way that like Reuters or the Press Association works and that they just disseminate these ben- these bulletins of interest and then people kind of elaborate on those? How did, how well, I mean, the key thing is what feeds into those bulletins and that does come from the papers, mm-hmm. but it does mean that the places that can tell you a clear and easy story rather than, hey, actually, this is a bit more complicated and it's difficult and, you know, it tends to mean that clearer messages push through. And I think that tends to sort of favour the right. If Mm. I'm kind of, if you ask me to talk about why we have a refugee boats crisis, I'm going to sort of start talking about the fact that UK and France changed its cooperations and they stopped, you know, we don't take nearly enough in legitimate channels, which helps people smugglers, which does all of this. Pretty Patel's got to go. People are coming to get jobs and benefits, push the boats back. Which one is going to work better as a clip in a 60-second news programme? And so a lot of stuff actually comes from the BBC has to reflect the views of the government. You know, their job is to go, the government announced this, the opposition say it's rubbish. Like, by Ofcom so, rules, they and, have and, to and, do and, 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 that. That, so, and I, I get that. So then would that be regarded as impartial journalism or is it they are basically mandated to report in terms of, in line with uh, government ideology? It's, it's to do with impartiality, but essentially if the government says we are going to do X it's probably going to happen, especially with a majority of 80. And it's going to happen a lot quicker than if the opposition go, if we are elected, we will do why? Because mm-hmm. that that will happen in a few years' time, has a big conditional to it, isn't as urgent. Yeah, so new, the government's, news, news turnover is much quicker than that. No one's got time yeah. to find out what it will be so the, gov- yeah. the government is going to have that advantage on getting its positions out because they matter. They might affect and change our lives. And then when they've got the time constraints and then there's professional people playing them and giving them good clips that fit the time, that's how a lot of broadcast media ends up being exploited. You'll tend to find the longer programmes, Newsnight or Channel 4 News, give you a much more balanced and sceptical account. But those time-constrained ones, really, actually, it's really, really hard what they do. And I, I think they could do it better. I really do. But actually, when you think, oh, God, you've got to get all of this down and you can't really not report it because otherwise it's something the government's doing and you're just not telling people. Man, it's, it's so complicated. And I just think the one truth about it, and you're not to be like, hey, I've asked a question and here's what I think about it. <laughs> but like, the, the look at what happened in the last however many years let's say say let's say the last decade right where the right wing has found new sources of media from Breitbart to all the different networks that are going on in America now including Fox that have obviously become a parody of the version of Fox that existed OAN OAN all of these places right there cannot be it cannot be denied GB News GB News and you cannot be denied that these outlets have found um, a have got a response from their listenership. They have pulled people in, and they pull people in because I believe that they have a very clear message that resonates with the people who want to hear it. Actually, interesting enough, they have a very clear message that resonates with the people that don't want to hear it because it just turns people against whatever they're saying. So, you know, I'll see a clip of Fox News and go, what the fucking lunatic, blah, blah, blah. The problem I think we have in society, in the world and civilization right now is that if you had at the moment, if you said, OK, BBC News, what you need to do is before you say the headlines, you need to say, all right, welcome to the news. Um, 
just to let you know, this is a society that believes in equality and freedom for all. We all don't really want to get into the whole God thing anymore. It's becoming a little bit complicated and we really like to save the planet um, and everything else is pretty much free reign. Everyone enjoy your lives. Here's the news with that in mind. Uh, but you know, you kind of don't, you kind of don't have anything on the left that kind of, or not even the left, just kind of, I don't know. You just don't have anything yeah. that seems to have a meaning. Well, well, I mean, well, I mean, when you're going to be dealing with, as I said, with with, a, with the previous comment I made before about um, the commodification of journalism and just of news stations, well, it's, it's just the right has deeper pockets. Mm. You know, if you, yeah, there's it's, it's really when it comes down to how it is that a lot of the time the efficacy of media as a uh, product is driven by the ability to attract advertisers and be able to cover your costs. Now, if you have uh, billionaires who don't want who want to avoid taxation. And want to uh, be able to benefit from cronyism, then it makes more sense for them to finance uh, right-wing journalism, which means it's able to have more resources and to be out to a wider audience. There are good, reputable left and centre of left uh, journal journalists and publications, but you know, the uh, anti the anti-fascist league is not going to have the same kind of resources, which is why you have people on people still distributing it like the big issue on the street, as opposed to. The enormous billboard has to go to appear on behalf of Fox News or on behalf of News Corp. It's very hard to compete with in a world that, irrespective of people's habits for consuming news, we still live in a capitalist society and people are attracted to big, shiny things. So There's just not all that many left-wing billionaires, are they? Although, yeah, yeah. weirdly, probably the best billionaire totally owned newspaper is the Washington Post, which generally, I think, does a pretty good job. I, I had one thought on UK media, which um, mm. I think part of... You know, the mainstream outlets seem to get really annoyed that people trust them less and that people sometimes read them less, certainly in print. And one thing that I do think is the papers and the mainstream tend to have this habit of trying to like narrow the acceptable range of public opinions. And if you were a sort of consumer of news, you know, usual Guardian or Mirror reader, like I personally was a skeptic of Jeremy Corbyn, but a lot of people saw something in him and saw a reason to hope and wanted to have a fair hearing and have that sort of reflected. If you wanted that view in the British mainstream media, it was pretty much not there. The Guardian had one, maybe two hmm. pro-Corbyn columnists. News sections, even in left-wing media, were hostile. Where was the sort of mainstream or, you know, traditional outlet that at least reflected your views or gave them a fair hearing. And so no wonder people went to some quite niche sites. It just wasn't there for them. And I think the media's got to try and like look like the society it covers, but also accept the full range of opinions within reason yeah. of the society it covers. You, you know, I don't think we have to start getting the people who go, climate change isn't real or the Holocaust didn't happen. But, but the problem, I, think, I, well, I think the problem is now is that there, there's a democratization of voices, even quasi-journalistic ones, so that even if there is a vacuum for people who do have these Holocaust denial platitudes, now people compose as media outlets and, you know, absorb that um that contingent that's the thing with the democratization of even journalism as well is that it doesn't even have to be real news or particularly factual it just has to pose in a way where it's disseminating information and um yeah it's uh again the internet that's where the internet comes in again as well so i don't know i, I feel like uh it's a tough one like you said where like we we depend now or 
whenever we consider media as consumers of media nowadays, even if it's something like the news, something being factual and ac- factually accurate is no longer enough in a world where a lie can travel around the world twice before, you know, journalism's got its, its, uh, its shoes on. Um, and I suppose so, what... oh, it used to be twice. These days it's about 2,000 times. Yeah, it's, yeah uh... 2,000 times. Yeah, exactly. And you can, you can, get, you can be getting doxxed with bricks for your, like with proverbial bricks for your window as a journalist if you argue with that narrative once it's made a few laps. So, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh yeah, it's um, a friend. Friend of mine uh, works as a um, like works for for the bureau, and he works on misinformation. A lot of it about Corona and all of that. And uh, I was in the pub with him uh, two two nights ago, and uh, he met a dude in the smoking area who clearly his friends had gone, and so he brought him back to the table. And then this guy's opening sort of sal- this like opening comment when he joins us at the table was, uh, yeah, so uh, did you guys get the vaccine? I'm not getting it because no one knows what's in it. Uh, and you know, you're like, oh, God, you brought work to the pub. And you're also uh, like, did it, he just come back from having a fucking cigarette? <laughs> well, exactly. But also, I like, you know, you know where you're like, I kind of don't want to have this fight, but also literally took me 20 seconds i went here is the ingredients list the full ingredients list for the pfizer vaccine on my phone and he went yeah are you sure that's the full ingredient list though you know what you're like? <laughs> it's like yes we know what's in it here is everything that's in it and he's like yeah, yeah but no oh you know yeah. you're like okay well this is yeah, we're doomed. Yeah, we're doomed. so james and who is to blame for empowering people when presented with journalistic facts for just being able to disregard them as fake. Mark fucking Zuckerberg. <laughs> I mean, yes. Yeah. Um, I I think actually, you know, that's human nature. Uh, we tend to latch onto facts that support what we believe and we tend to... You're a generous man. ...underway generous. other ones. I don't, you know, you I just gener- think we do that. Man. You're a generous man. Um, but that question has been, yeah, puzzling me for a while and I'm really glad to talk to you about someone who works with some very, very uh, reputable uh, news and, uh, you know, kind of po- politics agencies. So it's good to I mean, I mean you, you know the New European is reputable because Boris Johnson threatened to sue it last week exactly. over one of my stories. So. Exactly. <laughs> um, so um, thank you for answering that, guys. And Dane, it's over to you for the final question of today's show. My question is, uh, taking into account the previous two questions that we've had, is that, as I said, in a, in the advent of a world whereby we have now the accepted term of fake news uh, from uh, the former president, Donald Trump, and then his uh, publicist, Kellyanne Conway, introducing alternate facts. Um, and that coupled with the fact that now, through the use of algorithms, we can now create false personalities and narratives, false accounts to enforce equally uh, pseudo-journalistic stories. Um is there a way, in your opinion, regulation of uh, both digital and print journalism can uh, return if it was ever there? Hmm. Good question. Um, I would go, I don't think regulation's actually the answer because people on the fringes live to be censored. I mean, that doesn't mean it's not all, always like, a bad thing to do it. Mm-hmm. If you think about people like Milo Yiannopoulos, he's pretty much fallen off the face of the earth since he was banned on Twitter yeah. and sort of went from being this sort of far-right figurehead to uh, 
he's uh, selling religious icons on uh, like late night uh, Christian television now. That, like, sounds, it, that sounds it, nice. You know, good good for yeah, him if that's him. if that's how he wants to spend his life. But it can make people disappear. But if you've got big movements like, say, the anti-vax movement, and you start restricting where they can post and what they say, it re- it reinforces them that they're right. And so you can radicalise the people already in it. But sometimes that's a useful trade-off to stop more people falling into it. But when it comes to stuff like, you know, who we trust or do we trust the media or all of that, Weirdly, you end up sounding super earnest or super naive to say it. But the key thing is you cannot give up hope that people are trying to tell the best version and can't give up trying to look at it. Because sort of Russian misinformation famously is sort of not based on telling you one different story that you believe. Like Russia will put out seven or eight totally contradictory stories. So, you know, the scripples weren't poisoned. Yes, they were poisoned, but it was by the British. Yes, these people were FSB agents, but they were there protecting him because he was going to flip. You know, no, they were just gay tourists looking at Salisbury Cathedral because that's world famous for its spire. You don't need (laughs) to necessarily, you know, they don't expect you to believe all of them because they're contradictory. What they want you to do is go, oh, everyone spins, everyone lies, it's all very murky, no one can know the truth. They actually want you to give up. Yes. And that means that some people who are going, hey, online misinformation's everywhere, fake news is everywhere, nothing on the internet's true, you can fake photos, and they think they're sounding an alarm bell they actually are doing the work of the misinformation merchants for them. Like, yes, there are bots on Twitter. Yes, there are dodgy misinformation sites. Yes, there's stuff to worry about. And we should think about it, but we should stay a bit calm and go, there's tons of really good information out there too. And we shouldn't sort of start getting the sky is falling, the sky is falling, because that does the bad guys work for them. Mm -hmm. And so you actually need to kind of keep that optimism and keep that faith a bit. Oh, we're really screwed. <laughs> Which is, I mean, the optimism is good, and and you know the belief that there are people that are dedicated to producing real journalism. I am completely support that. But then, are there methods by which of of the sermon I can use to make sure that I am getting to uh, credible news sources and uh, not being, you know, having bots suggest lies to me or, um, you know, because again, like which Mark Zuckerberg won't protect me. So who will? So um, <laughs> honestly, I think one of the best things, and we all mess, we all sort of screw this up, but you know where you see a tweet in a Facebook post uh, about something or other, mm-hmm. and you immediately go, fucking hell, this is terrible. Share, you know, outrage mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. I try and do a count to three first. Mm-hmm. It's like, actually is whatever article's linked, does it actually say that? Have I actually heard of this publication? Do I know whether Texas Monthly is a real Texas magazine or something that's like a fringe site someone made up? You know, Boston Daily, is that the real newspaper in Boston or is it a... And so I try and look for a news outlet I recognise that said it. I try and actually read the whole story. And sometimes something completely outrageous has happened and you you can then go off. But like sometimes you get a twisted version or a bad version. Yeah, and so it's, very, thing- it's very easy to find like pro QAnon uh, stories and editorial. Yeah. And the time, the time when you're going to like mess yourself up and get something wrong 
is when it does a properly big emotional reaction in you. Mm. And so if something immediately makes you cross or makes you really sad or seems really funny or silly, those are the ones where you're likely to shut off your like sceptical brain. And so that's the ones where you actually really need to sort of have a little automatic trip that goes, wait. Um, often as well, it's worth knowing how certain trolls work and knowing how bits of misinfo works. Um, so one of the ones, 4chan, every year coming up to Pride, uh, 4chan, you know, the really sort mm. of dodgy troll site, or, you know, fa- famously sort of the home of all sorts of nasty movements. Who they, who they say, cr- who created QAnon? They did, they did. Yeah. Um, and then it moved to 8chan. Um, but yeah, the the sort of every year, just as you, it's coming up to Pride, they create a load of fake sort of gay teenager accounts and go, there should be no fetish things at Pride. There shouldn't be any puppy play. They shouldn't, people shouldn't sexualize Pride because teenagers are there and asexual people are there and it's triggering. Hmm. And they do that because they know it starts a massive fight amongst LGBT communities. Because right. uh, what happens then is some people go, Pride has been a protest and has had, you know, these people have been coming to Pride since it was created. They made Pride. It's not meant to be a sanitized corporate experience you know you can do what you want let other people do what they want type stuff and then genuine gen zers start going well actually it should be a safe space and and so every time it reliably starts to fight and then it gets written up in various media outlets as a serious debate and point of contention but it works every time and so if you know some of the ways that people like starting fights and some of the most reliable sort of fights uh, you can start to be a bit more sceptical about them and not get into them. Uh, you know, a really common one in the UK is Islamophobia. Hmm. Uh, and a lot of Russian bots to build up audiences used to post Islamophobic content because they knew it would get attention. And like particularly effective ones are things like uh, halal slaughter or wearing the hijab. And a lot of times when you see those discussions on social media, they've been started by someone just trying to divide people, just trying to Hmm. bring it apart. And so actually knowing the tricks is really important because often that way you can just go, you know what, I don't need to go near this. This is deliberately trying to start a stupid fight and derail anything that might actually be useful. But we we are starting to see some of these people kind of kind of break into the mainstream now, aren't we? That's the kind of that's what kind of I was I think I was watching um uh Ryan Gudersky, who I'm pretty sure some of you guys will have heard of, the Republican activists, who's the founder of the 1776 project. I don't know if you've Dane, uh you, you're welcome to check this guy out and hate his guts. Uh, for everything oh, he, he, he is the breathing worst. He is the absolute breathing worst. <laughs> yeah. And he's he's the guy that's like, oh, you know, like they're teaching... Um, um, Critical race theory. Yeah, in, in schools and and, and, and and they're making people go on privilege walks. And, uh, you know, you kind of, it's kind of... I was like, well, the BBC have let this guy on television. Is that acceptable or not? Like, I don't know anymore. And that's quite telling. I, 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 don't, I, don't, think, I don't think it's acceptable. Well, it's not that like it's not acceptable. It's, it's, it's not, but it's only not acceptable from the point that the BBC is funded by taxpayer money and they are then given a platform to people that aren't rep, who aren't truly representative of, uh, you know, the collective conscience of people. And they're also 
Like, that's a lie. And so I just think that there could be enough regulation to be like, you know, just a line under being like, that's not true. So I, mm. I, I think America has this problem in a much more difficult way than we do in that that's a lot of that stuff is now mainstream Republican thinking. Like we had a far right president who tried to do an authoritarian coup over his election just because it was a planning clusterfuck and they're all idiots doesn't mean that didn't happen. But Mm. it does mean now just to reflect the mainstream view of one of their two political parties, you've got to have some incredibly fringe figures on or people who, you know, 10 years ago would have been totally fringe because that is the mainstream that, you know, tens of millions of Americans will vote for in, you know, the midterms at the end of next year and, you know, the election next time. It's got probably a better than 50-50 chance of winning. I mean, and so what do you do there? About, I mean, I, sit, I say sit back and watch it burn down. You're very optimistic if you think people who went into a capital building and smeared feces on the wall are going to be able to have another democratic election in the next three years. I mean, I think the grim bit is I think they will win it without needing to cheat. I think I think they I don't think that America, I think America's gonna have two Americas. I think that that could by happen. The, by the next election there'll be two Americas. Yeah. I mean those that, those same people that you say will vote for who are they gonna vote for Donald Trump in twenty twenty two? I'd like to I'd love to see it. I would love to see it. Or twenty twenty three. I'd love to see it because that country is done. <laughs> Look, if I don't, maybe they might win. But if you smear feces on the wall of your capital building, you've already lost. Yep. Yeah, I mean, generally, when you're smearing feces, you're not you've on the, the good yeah, side. You're not on the good side. Hmm. You're not the good guys. If you're smearing feces on the walls, you're not the good guys. Well, I I got thrown by this actually by the anti-vax lot the uh, the other day. They've all, they've all started talking about how they're pure blood. You know where it's like has any bit of fiction in the last seventy years had the good guys being the one that goes on go on about pure blood? Mm, mm. No, exactly. And uh, also, if you're if you're good, good people don't charge people for healthcare in their societies, do they? So you can't be the good people, really. Mm-hmm. It's just it's hilarious. It's like <laughs> it's yeah. It's 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 crazy, and I'm sure you you're going to be very busy. <laughs> uh, James, you've been a brilliant guest, as a D- Dane. What a good episode because we we kind of I think we followed a really tight narrative to all of it today, which is this. Uh, it's like an investigative journalism. Uh, analysis. <laughs> I'm just worried I've been a really depressing guest. No, no, been a lovely. Guest. People need to hear the facts, James. That's the problem. <laughs> is that don't worry about being depressed. People need to hear the fucking facts, and if they don't like the way the world has been. Uh, journalized or journaled by you then they need to make a better world then that fucking simple everybody yeah you know or you can read the daily star for you just want to hear about teas and people fucking roller coasters or whatever so yeah <laughs> or, or next week there'll be a comedian we'll be fine we'll balance it out across the you know we'll balance it out but it's been bruffing it's been a brilliant episode and really Absolutely. informative and full of full of potential facts that people can go and check out and see if they agree with or not or you know it, lots of do, opinion do your research, people. Do the research. But if you can't be bothered, which most people can't, uh, James, can you tell the audience where they can find out about the work you've already done in advance so they can do the research much easier because you've collected all the information? So, yeah, if if people are interested in misinformation, uh, especially in connection to Trump and Boris Johnson, they can read Post Truth, How Bullshit Conquered the World. And if they are interested in the internet, they can read my latest book, which is now out in paperback, which is The System, 
who owns the internet and how it owns us. And if you're feeling really ironic, you can get it from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> so otherwise, please do check out tbij.com for what we do over at the Bureau or theneweuropean.co.uk for that. James, we, we wish you luck. <laughs> you have you have all of our support for fighting a literal good fight so it's, uh, thank you very much it's very Don Quixote isn't it <laughs> yeah 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 fucking hell but it is the wild west out there so uh, good luck mate right. <laughs> You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him on Twitter at DaneBaptweets or Instagram at DaneSnapTeast. Our guest was James Ball. You can follow James on Twitter at JamesRBUK. The show is produced by me, Howard Cohen. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Howard Cohen. The show is mixed and mastered by Audio Culture. You can follow Audio Culture on Instagram at WeAreAudioCulture. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DBQE Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. <laughs> <laughs>